There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Brilliant to be back with you again uh, for yet another week. And I'm so excited because I've got Dov Barron on the show again. It's been eight years, Dov. Woo, can't believe it. And the crowd goes <laughs> wild, young man. Yeah, very excited about our conversation today, as I always am, whenever I get the opportunity for you and I to, to chat. And we're going to talk today um, about the emotional source code and why do people do what they do? Um, even when quite often they don't do the right thing or, um, you know, they do the wrong thing and uh, get themselves into all sorts of mess. And, hey, we're a bit of a world at the moment with a lot of chaos that is going on uh, right mm. now. Um, but wherever you are around the world, I hope that things are going well for you. I hope that you're taking some inspiration uh, from the positive uh, element of things, side of things. Um, that's you know, There's a lot of positive stuff that is going on. Dob's work is, as you'll find out shortly. And I hope you're accessing the show and listening to some of the interviews and that you are taking away some ideas, some thoughts about how you can do uh, your business and live your life in a better way and contribute to a better world because boy we need people like you to step up today and make it make a difference and Dob is somebody who um, absolutely does that um, he is a, an amazing guy actually with a, an incredible background and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment um, but Dob since we last spoke has really spent a lot of time explaining some of the, the problems and the challenges in the world right now but within the context of what he calls our emotional source code. Um, we run our lives based upon our own private subjective logic, which becomes our filter for our reality. And any blind spots in that source code can literally cause havoc in our lives and our businesses. Now, Dov is the founder and CEO of Dov Baron International. He's a preeminent expert in helping leaders create life and work meaning. And his models and strategies of the emotional source code and the anatomy of me meaning are literally used by leaders in business and government across the globe. Uh, he's been named a top 30 global leadership guru five times. That's not once, it's five times. And an Inc. magazine top leadership speaker twice. He's written for or been interviewed by many media outlets. And he's the author of several books, including One Red Thread, How to Find the Purpose Already Woven into Your Life, and Fiercely Loyal, which I think we talked about last time, Dob, high-performing companies that develop and retain top talent. These are both bestsellers on Amazon. He's got an amazing podcast as well. He's a, a guy originally, I think, from Manchester, who now um, very wisely, I think, lives in Vancouver. Uh, it's a <laughs> lovely part of the world. So, uh, Dov, uh, great to welcome you back to the Business Elevation Show again, once again. Cheers, Chris. It's good to be here. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to our conversation. Always enjoy our conversations. And uh, I know we're going to get in some good meaty stuff that is going to be great value to everybody. So thanks for having me on. Well, you're, you're very welcome. And I look back, I got my assistant Hazel to look back. We're nearly 500 interviews, I think, next week, unique ones. And, and I just thought, who do I need to speak to? I've not spoken to for a while. And uh, there were some people in my archive, and you just sprung out immediately that I needed to speak to again because you, uh, you, you're a great guy with uh, a lot of wisdom. 
So I can't, and I can't believe it is actually it was December 2015 when we spoke. So it's over eight years, which is quite incredible because you are, I can still remember our interview. It still sticks out in my mind. Um, probably not least your exploits falling off a hundred foot mountain was one of one of those reasons that I will never ever forget. You might have to tell, <laughs> might have to remind people what that was about in a moment. But I'm just really intrigued. You know, we, we you've been on the show it was eight eight years ago, and you know what have been the standout moments in your life since you were last on the show? Because it appears to have, it seems to have been that a lot has happened. <laughs> Uh, an awful lot. Yeah, I think I think that a lot has happened for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was this minor thing called a pandemic. Uh, that you know, it was really interesting for me because when the panic pandemic kicked off, I the very first thing I did was reach out to every CEO and leader that I work with and said, "It's natural for your amygdala, the part of your brain that deals with fear." to go into fear and want to cut me away and cut away uh, things like uh, the diversity people and all those kinds of things. And I said, this is the last thing you should do. Yeah. And a lot, and like, well, what do you mean? I said, it's the last thing you should do because you are about to lose your mind. And they're like, come on now. And I said, no, let me explain to you why human beings are relational. We're tribal. It's our very basic nature locking us down and removing us from our tribe, and we, of course, at that point had no idea to the extent it would be, is going to cause an epidemic of loneliness, an epidemic of feeling isolated and separate from. And if human beings are separated from their tribe, it does not bring out good stuff in them. Mm. And they're like, really? I said, so that's what you're going you're gonna to go through it yourself. But here's the important stuff. Everybody who works for you is going to go the number one thing you must do is keep community, even though you're not physically in the presence of. And that proved to be, of course, very true for everybody. And so now we have an epidemic of loneliness around the world, even though we're all back out there. Yep. How come everybody's still feeling this deep, deep loneliness? Mm. And do you, do you think that's also combined with fear? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, part of the whole thing about getting us into isolation was the leveraging of fear. And that is tapping into the emotional source code of every human being. So every human being in their source code has the basic elements, which are universal, i.e. fear, joy, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have your own that are subjective. But if you, if you motivate people by fear, most people will be compliant. Very few people will fight against that. So if you put into place fear or quote fear tactics, then people, people will go along. And when they go along, once they start to come out of that, so once that, uh, the amygdala and the, that part of the brain that is focused around fear starts to free up. See, under stress, we regress. What do I mean by that? When you're in a stressful situation, 27% of the blood flow so your prefrontal cortex, that's the part of your brain that's at the front, you use it for making great decisions. 27% of the blood flow to that area is cut off. So you're quite literally 27% dumber under stress. And when I say you, I'm including me. It's what we do. But once we move out of the, the stress and the fear, the blood flow starts to come back. And that's often when we're going, why the hell did I do that? Well, the reason you did it is because you didn't have access to the higher thinking. 
Yeah. And you've got to know what's going on in that amygdala. You've got to know what triggers it for yourself so that you can um, dis- distract it and divert it when it comes up. So I guess, Tov, then you, you talked about, you talked about, you know, people being isolated uh, and community being very important. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we're in a community, we kind of share any fear and, you know, together, don't we? And we, we, it helps us to reduce that level of fear. So is it therefore what you're, what you're saying here is that um, this is really important for people to build these, maintain these communities during the pandemic and beyond um, because that uh, people are less stressed and then they're also more able to think creatively and positively and constructively. Does that? Well, that, that's certainly part of it. So number one, um, a company, any company, will not survive without without innovation. We have to innovate. If we're going to succeed, yeah. we're going to innovate. Whether we're in a recession, whether we're in a bull or a bear market, it doesn't matter. You have to innovate. What is innovation? Innovation is creative thinking. Creative thinking is not going to happen while you are in a hypervigilant fear state. It's just not going to happen. That's not what we do. The blood flow to that body of brain is taken away and you're locked down. So your creativity is gone. Now, Here's what's interesting. Last time we spoke, I just released my book, Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies um, Retain Top Talent. And in there, I talked about the four Cs. And one of those four Cs was community. And I said, if you're going to build a business, build a community around it. Mm. Now, what I tell people is I had it wrong. I I had community as number four and community as number one. Yeah. Now you need to build a community and put a business in it. It's completely different because people want community more than anything. Now, in order to have community and get innovation from that community, this is where, now I'm going to use a swear word, this is where diversity is needed. Now, let me be clear, I'm not talking about racial diversity, although that's part of it. What I'm actually talking about is cognitive diversity. So. Back in the past, up until the pandemic, we were all focused on culture. Like, oh, yeah, you've got to have a great culture. If you've got a great culture, you're going to have a great company and people will stick around, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I will tell you, I'm standing on the mountaintop. I'm the guy screaming that. I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. Because that culture, not in the idea of having culture, but the, the elements of it. Because the culture was, um, as... Uh, good to great said the right people on the right bus in the right seats okay important but not the answer wow okay what is the answer the answer is this those cultures were based on fitting in yeah do i fit in this culture do can you fit here chris so we're interviewing you chris for this major role you're going to be the cmo or the c something something in the c-suite can you fit into this culture People no longer have any interest in fitting in. We now need to build cultures of belonging. This is what I'm doing with some of the major companies around the world, helping them to build cultures of belonging rather than cultures of fitting in. If I fit in, I have to disenfranchise parts of myself and deny parts of myself in order to fit in. Oh, yes, I can do that. means I can repress parts of myself in order to fit in. Now what people want is, you know, they want good money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they do, but not as much as you'd think. 
They want a place where they can show up and be themselves and not be rigidly restricted to uh, this is my role and I got to do it. Yeah, I got to do that. So we're talking about small skunk work groups inside of every organization, inside of each department that allows you to go off and say, you know what? I'm in accounting, but what you don't know about me is I'm a musician. And I'd love to bring some of those skills to this, to this situation. Yes. If we thought about this as a composition, how would we look at it? Oh, my goodness. Now we've got ideas we never had before. So we've got this cognitive diversity that comes from having a culture of belonging rather than a culture of fitting in. Yeah, I like, I like that. I think that's so important. I've been, I do a lot of work with cultures and um, a company I've been doing a survey with recently. And you know, for the young people, it's actually what's more important to them is each other and their relationships with each other and the, the fun and connection that they have with each other. Uh, and I think the work going forward is just connecting them, um, allowing them to be the best versions that they can be, but also connecting them with with a, a business that also uh, values who they are and they want to be part of. I guess it's you know what you're saying, belonging. Um, it's it's so so important. Um, mm -hmm. I just I just did delude earlier. I should we probably need to go back now because I did say suggest something to tell about you having fallen from a hundred foot. So we maybe ought to just articulate because um, I'd, I'd be amazed that uh, there'd be maybe one or two people who listened eight years ago. But um, I, I wonder you had an experience which you might be able to briefly share with us. And I wonder did that experience where literally in the rug of your life was completely pulled from under your feet. Mm -hmm. uh, did that help you to deal with the pandemic when the rug was pulled under everyone's feet? I'm just want to ask you That's that. It's an interesting maybe, question. Maybe you can explain what happened to you briefly and then. Sure. So for those of you who don't know, uh, back in 1990, I was about as successful as I'd been up until that point. I was already speaking around the world. And uh, I was an adrenaline junkie. So on a particular June day, after a wet spring, but a beautiful part of June, um, I was free climbing up by Whistler in British Columbia, which if you don't know is where the Winter Olympics were held in 2010. And uh, I climbed down to see a waterfall and then decided to, instead of coming up the hike path, to climb the face with my friend and fell about 120 feet, which is close to 12 stories. Um, landed on my face, got smashed to pieces. Um, this whole big story about how I managed to survive that. However, what's most interesting about it is people will say to me, it must have changed you. It didn't. It embedded me. So what do I mean by that? Well, at 120 feet, when you fall, you get smashed up. It, uh, and when people would say, how are you doing? And I'm wired closed and massive reconstructive surgeries. And I'd say, I'm great. I'm coming back. It embedded me in my ego. It embedded me in the fact that I'd been a martial artist. I'd been a boxer. I'd had companies around the world. I'd been a leader. You know, you're not going to hold me down. Nothing's going to hold me down. I'm going to make it back. Until one day, I went out with the lads. My boys would take me out every couple of weeks. And, you know, I'd be miserable. But on this, and I was convinced I'd never be happy again. But on this particular time, I had an experience where I actually laughed and thought, okay, I'm coming back. And I walked into my place from the back, and the light uh, flooded across the kitchen floor. And there I saw garbage everywhere. There was kitty litter, there was empty cans, there was, it was disgusting. And I was furious. I went from joy 
to rage in a split second. I knew who was a cause and I was going to find them and I wanted to kill. I wanted to, like I was in so much rage. And I walked into the living room and the culprit was all curled up on the couch and I lifted my hand to strike, but that's not who I am. I'm not a violent person. And I stopped. And instead, I scooped him up into my arms and held him close to my chest. And my cat was frozen cold and stiff. And he died from distemper. And that's why he trashed the kitchen. <sighs> I fell to my knees and I began to weep. First time I'd allowed myself, like this is nine months afterwards. First time I'd allowed myself to, to feel the grief. And I was there for a few minutes and realized I'm not crying for the cat. I'm grieving the loss of who I was. And that was the turning point. It was examining that the loss of my identity was the thing I had to examine. Yeah. It's um, interesting when sometimes the, wis the wisdom seems to flow when we're on our knees. When we hit that point. That's exactly we get, it. We get the message that we, we need to take us forward. It, it's, uh, it was meant to happen. Well, it was not needed needed to more than men i needed it yeah I, I if you'd have asked me five seconds before i fell are you on purpose i would have said yes but it, i if, without that fall i would never have come to the depth of understanding of my purpose mm. i needed to be brought to my knees i needed to i i always say i fell 120 feet from a self-imposed pedestal and i landed on my ego yes and then oh, i guess ultimately you, you fell down but actually you ultimately you fell upwards yeah, it's it, it, it. Like I said, it was transformative. Yeah, but not from the fall, but from the realization that I had to let go of who I was. Yeah. On that note, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break, we will we'll take that into a, a further conversation to really understand what emotional source code truly is and why you have to take note of your own. Uh, why this is such an important subject that we need to we need to consider because actually. I think it, it impacts the future, not only of business, but also of all of us on this planet. So we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. 
Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Dov Barron. We've been talking about the emotional source code and we we talked about uh, Dov's remarkable journey just before the break. And there's also been a, a journey, Dov, to get to you know, this terminology which you created about emotional source code. Uh, so this isn't just, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who based upon opinion after a number of years of work, uh, mm-hmm. create models and tools and they trademark things and they... Uh, they yep. then go and so this this has come out of some pretty hefty and significant research hasn't it yeah that might be an understatement you want to give us just a little bit of perspective of that because yeah so first of all let me just quick overview everybody has an emotional source code but not only everybody but everybody as in organization as well. So every individual, every organization, and even every nation has one. Yeah. Uh, and it comes, the research comes from a blend of um, psychology, neuropsychology, neuroscience, and quantum resonance fields, quantum physics, all of those things, then combining that with leadership, politics, research, and looking at all those things and how the interplay of those things. So it's, it's the background on it is 40 years of work to get to it. But as I said, we all have it. So, you know, even on my site at dovbaron.com, D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com, you can download if you're interested in it. And it will by downloading this, you'll get an understanding of what the actual emotional source code is. I wrote the emotional source code of Vladimir Putin. Uh, and I wrote it at the beginning of, of the war with Ukraine because people were like, what the hell's going on? Why is this happening? Why is this person behaving this way? So it's a way of profiling an individual as well. So I wrote it about him so people could read that and go, oh, it's not what I think it is. I understand now. But I've also done it for nations. I did one for the US. I did one for Britain. I did, you know, so I can, and I do, of course, do them for organizations. So when we do them for organizations, we can find out what the emotional thread that is that's underneath. So when people talk about finding the why, very often they've not found the why. They've found something they've manufactured that they think is the why. And, you know, that's, that's fine, but it's not the depth of it. So Simon Sinek says, start with why. And I always say, yeah, he said, start, not finish with why. Because deeper than that is the why of your why. And that's in your emotional source code. Okay, so help help us just understand what an emotional source code is then. Absolutely. So think of it as your emotional DNA. 
So it's what got laid down inside of your system predominantly in the first four to seven years, although you can add and tweak and change it um, in, in more of the older years, but not a lot as you go on. So there was a time, we're all familiar with it, when we believed in the primacy of DNA, we used to say, you know, well, let's just do AM, it's in my DNA. We'd even use it as language. You know, we'd look for the, well, the, D, the shy gene, and we look for all these things. And what we discovered through the um, Genome Project is uh, we don't have as many genes as we thought we did. In fact, vastly less than we did. And those genes are pretty much the same as a field mouse. They're not that different. The impact is not the gene, it's the epigenetic response to the gene. Now, think of a gene as a code inside a bubble. And it's whatever leaks through the skin of the bubble that changes the way the gene responds inside. That's epigenetics. So the gene can literally switch on and switch off. So, you know, you could have the propensity for a certain disease, but if that gene is not switched on, or you know how to switch it off, you don't suffer those symptoms. Well, your emotional source code is the same. Your emotional source code gets laid down in the formative years in order to protect you, in order to keep you safe. Now, safe is an interesting term because safe means familiar. So if you grew as an example, if you grew up in abuse, you're familiar with abuse. Yeah. So you're now, you know, you've lived your whole life re reacting to the world as if it's abusive. Somebody comes along who's very loving and kind to you. You don't trust them because they're unfamiliar. So you go to someone up with that person. They're a bit weird. That's because of your emotional source code. Now, above your emotional source, think about this in levels now, bottom level, DNA of your emotions, your emotional source code. Directly above that is something called the anatomy of meaning. The anatomy of meaning is how you interpret the world based on your emotional source code, i.e., this is a nice person. There must be something up with them because I know the world is very dangerous and people are abusive. Mm. So now I don't trust this person. The anatomy of meaning is if you're nice, you, there's something up. That's the anatomy of meaning. The anatomy of meaning determines your identity. It says this is who I am. And we claim that vehemently. Out of, the, out of the anatomy of meaning, we develop our values and beliefs. Now, beliefs come first, but they collect together as a paradigm and generate values. Yeah. Those values and those beliefs create behaviors. So we like to think of, in a very simple form, we like to think of, well, the most important thing in life is life itself. You know, I'm going to protect myself. You know, the reason I'm, I'm not going to jail is because I killed you in an act of self-defense. We think that life is the most valuable thing, but the psychology is that it's not. And people go, well, how do you know that? Well, have you ever heard about a guy who strapped a bum to himself and killed himself? If life's the most important thing, you would never do that. So why would a person do that? Because the identity is aligned with that act and the beliefs and values are aligned with that act. So the behavior is completely normal for that person. It's a rational decision from, from their identity position. So we can't change behavior without changing values and beliefs. And we can't change values and beliefs without understanding value, uh, without understanding identity. And we can't change identity because we cling on to that like 
you know, like the last raft after the boat went down, we cling on to that, but that is held in place, that identity, by the anatomy of meaning that has come out of the emotional source code. So whether you're an individual or whether you're an organization or whether you're a nation, there is an original emotional source code that has created an anatomy of meaning that has given you an identity that's set up values and beliefs that's now generating behaviors. Hmm. Now that's, you know, that's a very, of course, a 10,000 foot overview of something that has great complexity to it and is delicious to understand. Mm. So if you, if you, you pick, pick an example, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the U S UK Putin. Um, could you share an example that would help us? Yeah, of course. That model would be really. Yeah. So let's think of this as an example. So let's imagine for a moment, most of you are familiar with what happened in uh, on January the 6th, a couple of years ago <laughs> at the U.S. Capitol, right? So there was a bunch of people who invaded the Capitol, right? Um, it was the potential fall of democracy in the United States of America. So it, many people said, we have a bunch of lunatics, blah, blah, blah. They were just all a bunch of crazies. Not true. Were there crazies there? Sure. But if you go to... Uh, a Leicester City game, you'll find crazies. If you go to a Man United game, you'll find crazies. If you go to Lewis's, you'll find crazies. There's crazies everywhere. It doesn't mean it's the dominant. So were there crazies at January the 6th? Yes. But now we go, okay, but let's, before we start judging everybody, let's look at the emotional source code of the United States. What is the emotional source code of the United States? Meaning, what was it born into? What was this psychological framework, the psychological DNA this country was created in, the United States. Mm. Well, what was it? If you nailed it down into a single word, what would it be? Any ideas, Chris? Oh, crikey. Um, so if the U.S. was going to define itself by a single word, what would it be? Uh, well, I'm not sure this is, the, um, this, is, this is true, but freedom would be one. That is the one. Be the one well done, sir. Of, you know. That's the number one. It's freedom. The, there's many backup ones like individualism and et cetera, et cetera, right? But freedom is the number one word in the emotional source code of the United States. So yeah. what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if you and I had have gone to the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th and interviewed people and said, why are you here? They would say, you know, what do you feel threatened by? They would say they're going to take away our freedom. Yeah. They were operating out of their emotional source code and didn't even know it. They weren't crazies. They were manipulated into believing they were going to lose their freedom. And so they behaved in ways that were completely not part of the, um, the you know, the rest of the, the country, but it was completely in alignment with their emotional source code. So that's a really good example of how you can drive the mob using the emotional source code of the of the country. Let's use another example. Let's take the United Kingdom, right? Let's take England. Boris at that point is the at this point is the prime minister and they're trying to get people to have vaccinations and people are resisting. So how do we get people to take the vaccination if they're resistant? You operate out of the emotional source code. Okay, so what is the emotional source code of the British? What would you guess? 
particularly English yeah. more than even British, British is included, but the English. Democracy? Nope. No. Nope. Because we're a, mon we're a monarchy, so it's definitely not de democracy. <laughs> Finding that harder than the US. Um... What, what's that term that people use about, about the British in, when they meet other people? They are looking down their nose at them. Yeah. Right? The British emotional source code is superior. Okay. Yeah. We're no, better I, than. I, I, can, I can get that. And uh, that's. Yeah, we're better than them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, oh, those Americans, we're better than them. You know, the French, oh, we're definitely better than them. You know, we're always looking down our nose. So the British uh, or the English emotional source code is better than. So how do you get the emotional source code to get people to have vaccinations? I'm not saying they should have had them. I'm just giving you an example of what how to work with this. So it becomes, listen, you know, Boris comes out and he goes, listen, folks, you know, we had the largest empire of all time. We used to rule the world. Britannia rules the waves. And, you know, and the truth of the matter is we still stand out. We're a tiny little island with 60 million people, and we still stand out as one of the great leaders of the world. And, you know, it's expected of us. It's our duty to lead the way. It's our duty to show others, you know, and we've got to step into that. So what we need to do is show the world this is the way to go. And then the British go, yes, well, we're better than them, so we'll do it. Yes. Because it's once you hit the emotional source code of the group, they are, will come into alignment. Now, is it everyone? Of course not. It's never going to be everyone, but it's going to be the vast majority. So when you tap into the emotional source code of a group, whether it's a nation, whether it's an organization, whether it's your company, and you don't, there's no way in the world you know what the emotional source code of your company is. When you tap into that, people will go, will find a way to come together. And this is what's important about it. This is the great stuff about it, is it brings us together. So I can be extremely left, I can be extremely right, but if we're, if we're, both, if we're both Brits, and one's extremely left and one's extremely right, but we're going, yeah, but we're superior, now we've got a common ground. Yeah. If we're, you know, if we're extreme left or extreme right in the American way, but we're talking about freedom, we're going to come together. It's the same thing. This is why this is so important. It's powerful. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think you, you know, Brexit was a good example. You know, we're, exactly. We're, we're, they we're, used we're, it beautifully. We we're, 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 we're better than them. We can uh, manage things better than ourselves. There's people like me thinking, actually, the way you guys behave, we need another tier to um, sense check our um, our decisions. Otherwise, uh, you know. Uh, but that was the leverage of Brexit. It was. was superiority. It was. It was, it's the, and by the way, it's the leverage of everybody who does racism, right? Yes. Even back to Enoch Powell, and some of your listeners will remember he, Enoch Powell, yeah. who was, you know, this fundamental racist back in this early 70s. Right, and he talked about the superiority of the Brits. Hmm. It doesn't sound too too much different to stupidity either, does it? Superiority. Well, it, you know, <laughs> once you tap into the emotional source code, this is the interesting part about it, Chris. Is you now bypass the prefrontal cortex. You're now in the amygdala. You're in the fear response of the body, of the brain, rather, 
and they're, and they're going to operate from that. And when you're operating from that, anything is justifiable. As I said, you can strap a bomb to yourself and you can justify it. Yeah. Listen, everybody who goes off and joins the army or the armed forces, if you ask those people, are you a killer, as the day they sign up, 99.9% would say no. Yeah. yeah, there are some people who are, would say yes. Yet they go to war and they kill other people. They kill strangers. How do they do it? They do it in the name of patriotism. Mm. Right? That's an indoctrination process. That yeah. you, if you can get somebody to kill a complete stranger, that's some pretty powerful psychology. Yes. But of course, now we've got massive PTSD because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, on, on that note, let's go to commercial break and let's um, let's think about how we can how we can really utilize this and impact it so that we don't go straight to uh, hell in a handbasket. Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't we don't miss all the the logic and heart centered and just skip straight from superiority to action, mm -hmm. yeah, or, or freedom to chaos exactly yeah be back again with you all in just a couple of minutes do join us after the break Don't want from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash VoiceAmerica. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You 
tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with Bill Barron. And uh, what an amazing and humbling and thought-provoking conversation we're having right now. Uh, as uh, uh, Dov and I discuss um, uh, the perceived superiority of the Brits and um, and how freedom actually led to chaos in the United States is quite in- fascinating. Um, so, Dov, let's just um, think now. You know, a lot of people who are listening to this, let's let's start at a level of. Um, well, let's start. Let's just start with per- let's go a little personal level, and then maybe at a business level, and then an impact on a you know on on changing things for the better so you know change comes from within Mm -hmm. so how do we get a sense of our own source code and our blind spots great question so the first answer is to again remember the five levels emotional source code anatomy of meaning identity beliefs and values that's one and then on top of that behavior so if you look at behavior on its own, it's often pretty frustrating. Like I want to change this behavior. Why won't it change? So you ask the question, okay, what beliefs or values keep this in place? And then you say, well, what, where does this align with my identity? So here's the interesting thing about it. People have a great deal of difficulty doing anything that misaligns with their identity. If your identity says you're this, then you are going to do that i.e. strap a bomb to yourself, as we talked about earlier. So people will align themselves with their identity. So the thing you've got to question is, why is this my identity? So for instance, at a personal level, I'm going to give you one here, and I want to be very clear in saying this. I have no problem with whatever faith you are, that's fine. But I'm giving you this as an example for you to understand something that would feel like a very much an identity piece. So if I say to you, what is your religious faith? And you say, I'm a Christian or I'm Jewish or I'm Muslim or I'm Hindu or whatever it is, that's all fine. I have no problem with it. And then I say to you, okay, why? Well, I believe in those teachings. Yeah, but why? Well, I've been brought up that way. Why? Well, my mom and dad are that faith. Why? Well, I guess their their family was too. Well, why? Well, we all go to church on Sunday. Well, if I park my Ford in a Ferrari garage every Saturday, can I say that it's a, a, a Ferrari or is it still a Ford? Putting yourself in the building doesn't change you. Why? And so you ask these questions of yourself, of things that you hold as solid belief systems and be willing to question them. Until you are willing to question the unquestionable, you will never find out what your identity is. Your emotional source code is set way back, as I said, but it has filtered and given you the meanings of your life, of everything you have. Every problem you've ever had in every relationship you've ever had has come from your your identity that has come out of your anatomy of meaning. If you use generalized statements, that's all from the anatomy of meaning. Oh, you know what women are like. You know what men are like. That's your anatomy of meaning, generalized anatomy of meaning. It's not true because the immediate thing I said to you, if you say, well, all men are this, I say, well, okay, 
there's eight and a half billion people on the planet. Let's assume it's 50%. Let's say it's four billion men. Have you met them all? And yeah. you go, of course not. Then how can you say all men are? It's a generalization. It's a lie. It's just not true. Well, all people of this nation are, or people of this faith are. Not true. So you start to question these things. The most enlightened people, that, and when I, I'm not talking about woo-woo, like, oh, enlightened. I'm talking about have a great depth of understanding of who they are and how they operate in the world and how they can serve in the world are people who are willing to question the fundamental things that seem unquestionable about who they are and what they believe. And oftentimes, just to be clear, that doesn't happen until there is an identity crisis. Yeah. So we go through these these crises, we go through these most difficult things, and the first thing we want to do is get over it. No, no, the identity crisis that happened for me the day I fell on my knees was the greatest gift I could have ever imagined. Now, I'll be clear, it didn't feel like that at the time. It felt like hell on wheels. But it was the transformational moment of saying, what if this is not who I am? What if I'm not the kid from Salford? What if I'm not the boxer martial artist? What if I'm not the business leader? What if I'm not the guy with all these qualifications? What if that's not me? What? I mean, that immediately creates a reaction inside you. And if you get defensive about something, that's a signal that there's something false there. Mm. So that's how you start to work with it in yourself. So, so I'm kind of now intrigued because you talk about the importance of meaning mm -hmm. uh, and, and and meaning is is important to our lives however what i'm taking from what you've just said is actually really those stories we have to we tell about ourselves are meaningless they're, they're, they're just a, a narrative the, they are they're a narrative but it's understanding that a lie repeated enough becomes a truth to the person who's repeating it. Yeah. So that meaning is very real and very true to the person who's having it. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's true capital T, it's true small t, but it's true subjectively to that individual. Yeah. I'll give you a simple example of how we do it to each other. So this is important because it's not just for you to do it to you. If you're leading others, you've got to look at how you're doing it to them. So uh, back in uh, November of last year, I was having a conversation with my son and I told him something and I said, you know, just keep it to yourself. I don't want people to know about that. I'm still working on it. And I said, and I know you have problems keeping secrets. And my son looks at me and goes, why'd you say that? And I said, well, you know, you just have. And he goes, can you give me an example? <laughs> Can't imagine who he grew up with. <laughs> can, you, can you give me an example? And I said, uh, yeah, when you were a teenager. No, my son's 30, 36 years old and has two kids. <laughs> and he said, mm, yes, when I was a teenager. I go, you know what? Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you called me out, that I'm mm. holding you to who you were rather than who you are. Yeah. And this is what we all do. So, you know, me included, we made that mistake. Rather than saying, is this who this person is, or is this a framework I've got inside of my emotional soul, inside my meaning of this individual that may no longer be true because people are evolving or situations evolve. Yeah. 
If you're operating like it's 1980 or even operating like it's uh, 2014, 2015 in your business, you've already got a sense of meaning that's got nothing to do with reality, not with modern reality. So this is why we must question meaning because a lot of it is nothing more than a hangover from history. Yes. So, so it seems like we you know, thought, thoughts, well, thoughts and feelings determine actions and results. So yes. is, is there a bit of looking at the, the behavior and, the res, and hence the results that we have in our life in that, at that level, but also being prepared to challenge and ask why of certain beliefs and, uh, and, and certain levels of identity that we have. So you, so you, you look, you look at the world and you realize that there's re repeating patterns in there. So um, it suggests that perhaps there's something not quite right in the source code somewhere or in, in the, um, in the identity anatomy of meaning. That's the anatomy creating, of yeah, meaning. Yep. yeah. So you, so you look, you look at, you can look at the results uh, and say, well, actually, what do I need to reassess in myself such that, or what might I not know that I don't know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, search search through that in order to be able to adjust and have a different outcome so obviously that that's a really clear and good way to start the yep. problem is it can only start there so people go you know i don't like these shitty results i keep getting and you know well, it's your fault right you're the one getting them so what do you need to do but, you know, as I think you know, Chris, I'm a, a trained by Bandler as a master practitioner and trainer in neurolinguistic programming. And I did behavioral change work for years with people. And, and I was damn good at it, but it didn't stick. No. And the reason it didn't stick is because it was driven by beliefs and values. So I did belief change and I did value change and it was great. But I noticed it still didn't stick. Something else was missing. What is missing here? Why is this not changing? Then I realized, oh, the, that comes out of their identity. And most people have no idea how they're attached to their identity. And even if you can get into it, again, identity crisis was what mostly changes people. You know, I've had a bankruptcy. My wife's left me. I've got a horrible diagnosis, whatever it is. This is the gift, not the curse yes. of that moment. Because it gives you the opportunity to say, what is the meaning I've applied to this? Yeah. Once I now look at the, the anatomy of meaning, I now can say, well, of course I've got this identity, but it's a stupid identity. It's got nothing to do with me. And of course I've had these beliefs and values. And of course that's generated this behavior. And as a result, that's created that, yeah. the results. I want different results. How do I get them? This is how I get them. Yeah. So this is why this work is so powerful, whether you're an individual, whether you're a company, or whether you're a nation. Fantastic. Well, Dom, I've just noticed that this has been so amazing. We've only got three minutes left, which um, has, uh, <laughs> has shocked me somewhat. This is um, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation, and I just want to just in a before we ask for a final message, uh, um, obviously it's dogbaron.com that we need mm -hmm. people to need to check out with you. Um, but how do people best connect in with the work that you offer? I mean, what what how do you help? people today so the number one thing is that i help people to tap into their emotional source code their anatomy of meaning whether that's individually or as an organization or even you know i do it for po po politics and countries um if you want to understand how to move a tribe 
you have to change the meaning. People, those who control the meaning control the tribe, i.e. January 6th example I gave earlier. That was an example of changing the meaning, therefore you controlled the tribe. And so people did things that they are looking at and going, well, I don't know why I did that. That's the number one thing. So if you're looking to build a company, an organization, and you want to move people in a way of deep loyalty, that's how you do it. You've got to get to that. And that means you've got to create a community uh, or a culture of belonging, tribe of belonging, rather than a tribe of fitting in. So I want to come back to that and say to you, if you're making people fit in, you won't have cognitive diversity and it will cripple your, your innovation. You want an innovative group of people who will move you forward, do this work, and it all changes. And you'll find people just adding to the value of what it is you do. Fantastic. Darvon, been, been amazing. Loved talking to you today. Loved exploring this more. We need to talk about it again at a later date because there's uh, a, lot to, uh, a lot to further explore and think about. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure and honor, Chris. Thank you for having me. And thank you to you, dear listener, for tuning in, for taking the time and for holding your attention. I hope that you found it valuable. You can, as Chris said, you can reach me through dovebaron.com. But, you know, I want to encourage you to reach out, share the show with everybody you know. Don't hoard the information. Chris puts together a great show. He brings enor just enormous value with the guests that he brings. Share the show with everybody you know. Go out and, and subscribe and share it with others. It's important. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. We're all doing this for a good reason, aren't we? We want to create a Absolutely. better world through our work. And yeah, so please do that. And you can always reach out to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, and next week, we've got um, David Weaver, I believe, on the show. David is a, an absolute master when it comes to franchising. So we're going to learn a little bit about franchising next next week uh, and uh, how maybe we can utilize that to really leverage and uh, our business ideas. So back again with you next week. I think next week's. I need to work it out. It could be my 500th episode, unique episode. So um, I'll need to need to check with that one out. Um, but uh, do take care. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody, please um, go out there, be more, achieve more and uh, listen to this, share it uh, and just think about what it means to you and uh, whether you need to look into your own emo emotional source code to be able to make the impact that you want to have. Um, take care, everybody. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.